In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We are here talking about the Browns versus the Eagles. Breaking news today, though. Baker Mayfield is confirmed he will be the starting quarterback against the Cleveland Browns when we're in Carolina. I believe you also will be in Carolina, correct? That is correct. Just looking at options of how to get from New York to Caroline, it's not that easy. It looks like it's a 16-hour train down, which seems uh, quite h- horrific. Yeah, that's a, it's coming down that coast is going to be tough. Rental cars over here are kind of um, – so you maybe figure out a way – to grab a quick one-way flight or something like that from LaGuardia or JFK down to, uh, to Charlotte, maybe 250 bucks at the moment or 70 on the, on the coach. I'm tempted to go with the coach, mate. That'd be, that may be worth your time. Uh, if you have an active internet connection, it might not be as bad, but, uh, Ooh, yeah, that won't be fun. Maybe check some other airlines. I'm guessing you're checking British slash American. No, I'm checking everything, but Check Southwest. Let's be uh, let's be honest. This is a Cleveland Browns podcast, not a Paul Brown traveling podcast. So, um, mate, I called it twenty one twenty. That's that is your go to. Anytime I see a football game in twenty one twenty, I just instantly think that you called it correctly. But um, you know, overall, I think that was exactly what you're going to get out of preseason football. There was a lot of Paul Brown specials, though. A lot of UDFA's out there, you know, making yep. a name for themselves. So it was good. Overall, in watching the game, you know, what did you think? What were your your kind of takeaways? Yeah, I do this every season. I get super excited about wide receivers. Um, disappointed Bell missed a, disappointed Bell uh, missed a catch, or mm-hmm. and disappointed that Cade York hit the uh, post. Um, but yeah. I wasn't as disappointed in that one. If, I, if no. that's any consolation. So as a kicker, right? That's so you look at certain things to make sure they're putting the pieces together. He has great lift on the ball. He's got great pop. So Paul, when you're kicking 55 yarders, right? So the angle at which the ball comes off has to be a little lower than when you're kicking 35 because you can kick it higher. You play fat man football. You're aware of, you know, how the trajectory of a ball goes his height that he gets even on a 55 yarder is still going to make it extremely difficult to block. And his 55 yarder was actually bending in. So if he had kicked that from 57 or 58, it actually would have been good. So he's just got to get a little bit of the driver tuned up, but the distance, I mean, that thing would have been good from probably 63, 64. He's up in there. So no doubt he has power on the leg. He's just got to fine tune it, but there was a lot of positive, positive things to see with that kick. Um, there's also been some cuts today, but I, I, I don't think there's any shocks in there. Do you, Ian? Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit with uh, with Jack. You know, obviously, when it comes to roster construction, we'll do a little show on that. I don't think there was anybody on there that we were like, holy crap, 
The one guy got cut was the one that got smoked on that speed route by the uh, Devin Allen. Um, he had a rough game, so it doesn't shock me that he was one of the first lines. We talked a little bit about these tight ends with all the hyphenated names. So Marco Santos Silva really wasn't getting a ton of run. So I don't think it was too shocking, but we'll, we'll get in later in the week with Jack. If you want to hear his thoughts on the Eagles Browns game, he was on the OBR uh, with Jake and the boys. So you can listen to Jack provide some insight on that one. But, you know, we thought we'd get Paul and I together and kind of review what we saw. Obviously Baker being named uh, starter will add a little bit of uh, interest to week one, but was there anybody that you saw playing that, you know, caught your eye or anybody that you were looking to see maybe more performance out of that we didn't get? Let's go with knacking Griffin Stewart. Um, I've questioned this a little bit about the third tight end spot. Is this guy going to make the roster? Ian, do you reckon he made the roster or? Tight end is one we've talked about. And we're going to find out what the Browns want to do with this tight end position. It's actually funny because we're having a conversation regarding personnel packages. With the Browns wide receivers being as thin as it is, do we think they're going to run 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, 12 personnel, two tight ends? So we know Najoku, we know Bryant. Then we have this crop of the Morse Forrestals, you know, formerly the Santos Silva, the Zaire, Mitchell Payton, who to me looks a little bit like David Njoku Light. And then you have this Nikia Griffith-Stewart, who seems to have been starting, you know, the race a little bit sooner. He was the first one in the game, you know, obviously had a, I think he was the highest graded or one of the higher graded guys from last week in terms of what he was doing. So I think this is a guy that's caught their eye. I don't know, Paul, I think you, at this point, if the Browns do keep four tight ends, he might have the early spot for that tight end number four. So as of right now, I would say he has a good chance to, uh, to stick around maybe through that first round of cuts. Maybe they're looking for him for the practice squad, but I definitely think they like what they see out of him. Obviously the number one person everyone will be talking about this morning would be Dodds. Do you think he's done enough to become um, quarterback number two? He'll be quarterback number two with Brissett starting. I think Dobbs is exactly who we kind of thought he was. I think anybody really that saw him play at Tennessee really shouldn't be shocked by how he played against the Eagles. Um, he's a smart guy. I think the most impressive thing I saw out of him was I think we always knew he had mobility. Like when they went out, Scott Brissett, Watson, you know, Dobbs, there's a theme there. All these guys move pockets. Well, he made throws from within the pocket that made it look simple. You know, they had that fourth and six. They banged over the middle on the, in the, uh, the slant route. There was a couple throws he made down the field to Harley, to Wims. He made some good throws from within the pocket, which was the most encouraging thing I saw. I thought he did a good job of navigating. I'm not going to hold the bad snap fumble he scored, but I thought Dobbs did enough where he's going to hang on as that number two quarterback to start the season. And then I think he may move to that QB three role, but I wouldn't be shocked if when Deshaun Watson comes back in week 13, because it's 11 games in the bye. So when he's back in week 13, they may keep that third quarterback because, you know, we obviously know that it's been a long time since Deshaun Watson played football again. So it may be one of those things where you just say, you know what, let's keep a third quarterback on the roster for, maybe the rest of the season just to give ourselves an insurance policy in case something, you know, goes wrong with Deshaun Watson. Did you see anything in Rosen that you thought he's got potential to uh, push out Dodds or do anything special? 
So I think Rosen, I like, I, I know a lot of people want to kill Rosen because the performance out there, seven for 20, it was ugly. It really was. It was not fun to watch on that final drive. We really couldn't get anything going to give my guy, Cade York, a chance to win it. I just think Rosen throws a good ball. It's just not where it's supposed to be. So in a timing offense like Kevin Stefanski's, the ball has to be not only at a specific place, but at a specific time. I think Rosen's timing's okay. I just think he throws to the wrong shoulder. He's supposed to go inside. He throws outside. He's supposed to go outside. It comes inside. You know, he was throwing low on some cases. My guess is it just seems like he's trying to do a little too much. You know, when he was coming out of UCLA, I felt like his accuracy was better and it's gotten worse in the NFL, which makes me think there's probably more going on between the ears than there is with the arm because he throws a nice ball, Paul. It's just never where it's supposed to be. It's crazy. Um, Rosen, 10th round pick. No, number 10 pick in the first round. Yeah, sorry. That's right, yeah, 10th round pick. Is that correct grammar? No, 10th round. It's the first. He was a 10th oh, sorry, pick. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 10th pick in the first sorry, round. Sorry, yeah. 10th pick, sorry, 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 10th pick. Yeah. Uh, and Dobbs was a fourth round pick, uh, a fourth round pick. Correct. Uh, the year before, so. Uh, Correct, yes. He was with the Steelers uh, out of Tennessee. Yeah. But the things, I mean, to take away, and we'll talk a little bit about it when talking to the roster construction, but the one thing you noticed, Paul, was the Browns are starting to implement, and they've been doing this now for two years, they're implementing – a scheme and a system on the offensive line. So it doesn't matter if you plug in player X, player Y, player B. And I don't use player X as a Drew Forbes reference. But you saw when Michael Dunn went in at center that he could still execute the game plan because he's been in the system for two years. He knows Bill Callahan. There's such consistency with the teachings of the offensive line that what it's done is it's allowed the Browns offensive line. I mean, our second team guys you know, because we had certain players out there, but not all. And obviously Nick Harris being out, but you saw that was the Eagles second team offense or defensive line. So they didn't send their studs out there, which is fine, but you saw the Browns offensive line handle them efficiently. Then you saw the third team guys come in and efficiently. And when you look at some of these snap counts with Alex Taylor and these guys, and you're like, they played 70 snaps in a preseason game, which is just unheard of. But in the same sense, the movement's correct, right? The guards are getting out ahead. Drew Forbes had a couple nice, even David Moore pulling from that right guard at one point had a really nice crack block. So you're seeing these guys that are in developmental stages come in and able to execute the system. And, you know, we talk about this in soccer, AKA football, where these youth teams develop these kids that come up through the program under the same style of football. And then sometimes when they struggle, when they go to other teams, because it's a different style. Well, the Browns have now said, this is the way we're going to block on the offensive line. And as these guys are coming in, they're learning the system, they're developing. And I think it's really good for times to come when it comes to that offensive line, the abilities of Browns offensive line to gel men and have guys like Blake Hans and Michael Dunn plug and play in and produce. Yeah. Um, running back room is really interested because um in these games, it seems everyone, just every running back seems to have a great game. Mm -hmm. That's the first team, the second team, or the third team. Yeah. Um, it's odd because the Eagles, to your point on the running back, the Eagles are strong D-line and, and they have depth at wide receiver. The Browns struggle there. So their D-line 
was neutralized pretty much by our offensive line. But we found out that our third team corners are pretty much on par with their second team receivers. I know during the week of practice, there was um, our number one wide receivers are dusting your backup cornerbacks. I'm like, okay, I, I would hope that Devonta Smith or AJ Brown can beat Martin Emerson. You know, that's kind of how it works. But to your point, the running backs, John Kelly runs hard, Jerome Ford getting yards. And the Browns running backs versus the Eagles linebackers was a massive advantage to the Browns. I mean, they couldn't really cover them out of the backfield. It, it makes it interesting because now you've got John Kelly, you've got Dearness Johnson, you've got Jerome Ford. And oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. A lot of talk has been out there about what are we going to do from the running back room to the wide receiver room? Is there a way we can borrow from Peter to pay Paul? I don't know, Paul, if you had to choose which running back do you want, which other than Nick Chubb, who is your number two and number three must have on the team running backs? I'm sorry to say it is textbook Hunt, then Dearness Johnson. Um, I rate Dearness Johnson a lot higher than a lot of people do. However, I don't think we can stick Ford on the practice squad. Doesn't look that way. No, so is Hunt going to be traded? Is this a pure gamble just to, uh, in case we get one injury? This is where the NFL needs a loan system where we could loan him out to the Eagles, <laughs> play a season, get experience, then come back. Back. Um, to me, it's a little ironic because we have these multiple backs because we didn't even mention Demetric Felton, who likely is going to be over there in the wide receiver room. But, you know, you have Nick Chubb, then you have Dearness Johnson, then you have Jerome Ford. Those three are all that one-cut north-south runners. Then you have Kareem Hunt and Demetric Felton and a little bit of John Kelly in terms of how they run. So you have these themes in running back. I think Paul Dearness Johnson carries the most trade value. So if I'm a team like the Eagles, right, who have Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott and a bunch of guys that people have picked up on fantasy teams, I think Dearness Johnson is the more attractive candidate. He's 2 million bucks. He's not a ton of money. He's younger, you know, so it could be one of those things where I think the Browns can't get rid of Jerome Ford. But the question is, is it Kareem Hunt or is it Dearness Johnson? I think those are the two guys they're going to be debating to. And if they, for example, get rid of Dearness Johnson, does that now make the way for John Kelly to become the fourth running back? Right. Cause then you'd have Chubb hunt um, Ford and, Kelly. So it's one of those things where you were, we're kind of chalking Felton up into that wide receiver room and then Johnny Stan, maybe the practice squad, but no, Paul, you, the running back room is one where I think every one of our guys that came in three yards, five yards, four yards, six yards, eight yards, they, they couldn't stop them. Any wide receivers out there that took your fancy? I mean, we haven't seen any of the starters, right? So we haven't seen Donovan Peoples Jones. We haven't seen Amari Cooper. I thought it was nice to see David Bell out there. I think he's exactly what he's advertised to be. He's a zone beater. He's a guy that's just going to settle down in the zones. You know, he made that one where he faked the out kind of Dobbs led him to the inside, which was perfect. I know I got the privilege actually of listening to the Chris Rose, Joe Thomas broadcast from Cleveland. That was great. That was amazing. It Well, it's nice because Zagura adds an element of knowing the back half of the roster. So what happens sometimes when you get into these national broadcasts, you know, the NFL networks things, 
Nikia Griffin Stewart's in the game and nobody knows who the hell this guy is, right? So they don't get his name right. They know nothing about him. So if you have the compliment between Browns radio with Donovan and Zagura, and then you have Joe Thomas and Chris Rose, I think that's a great dynamic because Thomas and Rose give you kind of that good old buddy, old pal. And then Zagura will give you some information, some tidbits about that back half of the roster guys. And in these preseason games, that's valuable. I mean, you actually learn a lot about these guys and what their stories are and stuff like that. So, but I thoroughly, I mean, Joe Thomas didn't even have to talk about offensive line because they were doing so damn well. I mean, it was like, you know, they were just in symmetry working together. Um, I, you know, it was one of those things where David Bell gets in there and is like, okay, I can hear a little bit about what the team thinks of him. Right. So Thomas got a lot of his information and they pointed out on the drop by David Bell that he needed to catch that. I think he knows it, but Chris Rose pointed out that Dobbs hit him on that back shoulder, which is exactly what they were looking for. So I saw a lot of things developing from David Bell that I was encouraged by. And, you know, I was just telling this to Duffin, if the Browns go out and make a move and get, say, somebody like Darius Slayton, which is the name, he's not going to be starting week one. I mean, this is a guy that's going to have to learn an offense. I mean, I know we talk about Brian Dable, but even if he can come in, you're still going to need something out of David Bell. So, you know, whether it's Demetric Felton in that slot, whether it's David Bell in that slot, whether they have some sort of a gimmick role for Anthony Schwartz in that slot, it's one of those things where even if we bring in a wide receiver, we're likely probably five, six weeks into the season before that person's going to make a sizable contribution. Yeah. I, I was quite impressed with the, uh, wide receivers but I know this so much with experience of Browns off-season wide receivers is week one we can have four bloody uh, wide receivers and they all look pants so um, um, what do you think about if our wide receiver room was as consistent as our running back room Paul you'd be the smartest man in show business yeah Swartz were you impressed with his start no not really I, I He doesn't look comfortable. So a lot of guys in the NFL have this, and this word can be used loosely, but performance anxiety. And Schwartz to me, when he's out there, looks like he's going through some sort of a performance anxiety. He's thinking, he's bobbling, he's not comfortable. We saw a kid from the Eagles, Olympic track speed, go right down the field, sprint past every single one of the guys, catch a ball in the end zone. Love that. Then even better, his touchdown celebration with the hurdles was fantastic too. So maybe Stefanski needs to just let him do that once, even if they don't even throw him the ball, just let him run because he just doesn't seem comfortable. You know, I think he's just, he's too busy trying to learn to be a wide receiver, but his brain's working too much. And it's like, he's just not fluid. Nothing's comfortable. Everything's forced. You know, he doesn't make clean catches. He lets the ball get into his body. Like all the things I want to see from a wide receiver, I don't see from him. And it's going to take maybe some confidence, maybe some, you know, practice repetitions. I don't see him getting cut. I don't. But next year, if he doesn't make a sizable jump, I I can't see how they're going to keep him around. Yeah, I think he's gone um, after this season. A one player... Mike Harley Jr. One mm-hmm. to watch. A lot of targets, few catches. Um, I mean, he's okay. I, I, I think maybe practice squad. I don't think if you're relying on this guy to come in and be a wide receiver four on week one. Ew, ew. 
So I, I maybe like to see a little bit more. I think that Dalen Baldwin kid who just went into the concussion protocol. I know it wasn't ruled a catch, but it was actually a hell of a catch along the sideline there. Um, Javon Wims, I, I kind of had him as a sleeper target uh, getting into that wide receiver room. He shows you that big play ability, going to be able to snag a ball downfield like he did 32 yards, I believe. You know, and at the end of the game on that fourth down, I think with a better ball, Rosen, you know, puts a better ball out there. I think maybe he has a chance at it. You got to give him a chance at it. Rosen didn't do it. Mm. But defensively, overall, it's exactly what I thought. You mentioned uh, the boy uh, Jordan Kunadzik, I believe is how you pronounce that. Well, that nice. Yeah, nice form tackle. Um, that's what you're looking for out of that. Richard LeCount, too many tackles, a lot of bad angles. What'd you think of uh, my brother Alex Wright? 94. Um, when did I see him in the game? He was the one that has the really long arms. So he was doing a good job shedding blockers and getting his arm along some ball carriers. He was there in the first half. Kind of has the longer hair with the blonde tips. Yeah. It's a staple in the right household. Yeah, I was impressed with um, uh, Emerson, Emerson first. Emerson was the guy who had the pick six in the first game. Yeah, and, and he, he very, made... Very little play this game. But he started off with a big tackle, if I'm correct. Yeah, he had one tackle in the game. Yeah. Um, to be honest, on the defensive side, I was a bit worried about our interior defensive and I was obviously very worried about our coverage at times you know like for whatever happened that speedy little guy ran the whole field I was quite happy about it because we got the ball back but (laughs) otherwise it added a little excitement to the game yeah I was like Jesus this is like the old Browns this is but yeah um well that cornerback unfortunately was one of the ones released today so sorry Parnell, Parnell Motley Yes, yeah, so I think our undrafted free agent cornerbacks didn't do enough at all, to be honest. Um, but yeah, defense, I was relatively happy. Yeah, I thought they, they showed some promise. I think the edges, I think Odom showed some promise coming off the edge. Alex Wright, I think, is going to show that he's more of that Jadavian Clowney mold where he can play a little bit inside, a little bit outside. Um, Perion Winfrey, I think we've said on this podcast, I've never really been impressed with what I saw out of him coming in the draft. He's continuing to be a lot of bark, no bite. Um, the one guy I would like to see maybe a little bit more and break down is that Glenn Logan, the defensive tackle out of LSU. He's young, um, had a lot of promise coming into LSU. Hasn't really turned too much into it, but if there's a little bit of talent there, I'd like it to come out. But yeah, Isaac Rochelle was another one. Tommy Togi, I didn't play a lot. We saw a little bit out of Curtis Weaver, but I think you're going to see maybe four, maybe five defensive tackles and then the rest on the edges. Um, but the Browns, I think, are trying to develop a defensive line system kind of like they are on the offensive line. I just don't think it's quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, next game's on Sunday, right? Yep. Home to my Bears. The good old Justin Field-led Chicago Bears. The monsters of the midway are heading to Cleveland, Ohio for the final preseason game. And then it's time for the real thing. Uh, before we move on to the next game, special teams. Do you think uh, Ponce did enough to uh, win it? Yeah, I think Borquez is going to be their guy. I don't see them going any other route. Um, I think he had – what's that? Did he well, – I think he only had one punt, right? He had that 45-yarder, and that's all I can think of. Um, yeah. And then York went two or three on the field goals. He missed the one from 55, but he made the one from 50, and then he was good on both of his extra points. So 
the issue they have in special teams is the return game. Uh, Harley had the one kickoff return that he should have never taken. Um, I think, like I said, when we talked about losing Jakeem Grant, I just think you're just going to see it. And they brought that kid in, that wide receiver from the Saints, to see if he could maybe spur something up. But at this point, that just from kickoff return and punt return, we just don't have much. But at least we've got Charlie Hewlett. At least we've got Corey Bauman request And at least we've got Cade York. Um, surely Deanna should be returning, right? He's done it. But if, you, if you're trying to trade, if you're trying to maybe use him as trade chips, you ain't going to put him out there. That's for sure. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, maybe if he makes the actual squad, maybe they use him in Felton for that. It's possible. Mm. But what are you looking forward to in this final game? Yeah, obviously. Um, how much do you think uh, um, Jacoby would be playing now? That's the, that's the biggest question. It doesn't seem like much. Maybe a series or two. Maybe. I mean, you called it at the beginning, so clearly Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry listened to the podcast because when you said no Jacoby Brissett, they said we agree with you, and we've not seen him. I would like to see him maybe throw a pass before we get into that week one. Would be nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know, mate. I mean, it's preseason, Paul, right? You know, at this point now, it's going to be kind of focusing on roster construction. I wouldn't take too much out of that game. I don't care who wins or loses. I thought we ran the ball well. I thought the promise of the O-line is there. I think the defense is going to probably take a couple thumpings in the first. They're going to be a little bit of boom bust to start the season, I think. Um, but the Browns have always had this theory where they're going to play these three safeties. They're going to play these dimes. They're going to be able to run the ball. I mean, we've said it for years. The staple is they want deep. The, our defense wants offenses to have to go long developing routes, right? They don't want you to have to go on a, a three or a four play drive. They want you to go on 10, 12, 13, 14 play drives. So it's dink, dunk, chip here, throw underneath, catch, just hoping that maybe Miles can get a hand on the ball. But, I mean, teams in the past have utilized it where short, quick passes, effective running game. That might be what you're going to see, except in week one. I have a funny feeling Matt Rule may let somebody know with a number six throw quite a bit. So if you're a DraftKings or FanDuel guy, maybe you want to stick a number six on your fantasy. because I think he's going to be throwing quite a bit. Now, could result in interceptions. You never know. Well, we're getting to that exciting time of the last game of the season, and then it comes down to the the roster cut down. Yes, sir. Um, when's the next roster cut down? Uh, well, there was the one tomorrow, wink, wink, uh, that already has happened. We told you about those guys, um, but it won't be until the following Tuesday. So the following Tuesday. And then I think Jack can be a little bit more specific on the final, but I, I'd have to look to see when the final roster cut down is because our first game is in until September 11th. So let's see. NFL roster cut down. Final roster cuts Tuesday, August 30th. So a week from tomorrow. And then, of course, there's going to be your cuts and practice squads and all that other stuff. So we'll see that. Uh, who's, who's going to call in the plays on Sunday? Is there anyone having an opportunity to call or is it? I think Alex, I think Alex then Pelt was calling him yesterday. I think I saw yeah. him mic'd up. Yeah. So I think Stefanski does that where he just kind of lets those guys call plays and stuff. And I know Van Pelt's such an integral part of the offense and how it's constructed. I could see them just leaving it with him for now. I, I, Tony Grossi hasn't asked that question in a while. At least not that I've heard. All right. Well, look, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with Jack on the next podcast, learning more about how he's seeing the roster starting to shape out. 
yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I said, if you want to hear what Jack had to say, he uh, was on the OBR with the boys. Um, so he was too good for us. Ha ha joking JK. Um, but you know, we're, we're slowly getting, you know, slowly getting there. And I think the NFL made the conscious decision to get the Deshaun Watson thing done. So I think, you know, we can put that to bed and just move on with the season. I don't think there's any thoughts on, or any disputes on what our thoughts are on this stuff, mine specifically. So at this point, it's all football all the time, baby, let's roll. And we got in Thursday, the, not this one, but the following Thursday, we've got chiefs bills. That should be a good one to kick off the season. You'll have to stay up to like four in the morning to watch. But. Probably won't. Uh, I'm flying next morning, so uh, I oh, will pull an all nighter. Just get some Jaeger bombs in. Let's go, oh, baby. Jesus. Hey, by the way, Paul, I saw that somebody damaged your Bugatti in London. What the heck? Oh, it's kicking off in uh, London. Yeah. Uh, I saw Tyson Fury's cousin stabbed and killed. What yeah. the hell is going on over there? You've got guns. We've got knives. Yeah, no kidding. Chicago, London, gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit, right? Man, it's kicking off all over. It's kicking off. Stay safe out there with your kicking off TV, right? The, you know, we've been targeting the media people here. So let's make sure that we keep Paul Brown safe over there, covering the mean streets of, uh, you know, Gladys Derry Park. Well, I just want to finish up by saying, go Browns. Go Browns.